Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. Now tonight, our message is failure is never final. Now, I want you to get that into your mind because some people think if, they, if there's a slip in their life, if there's a fall in their life, then that indicates that they're a failure. But I'm going to tell you, we fall, but we're not failures. And so we need to understand that and not buy into this, um, you know, this mindset that I had this problem, you know, financially something happened, I lost a business, uh, you know, I went bankrupt. Uh, uh, my family, I've had a divorce. Uh, my children haven't, you know, turned out the way that I wanted them to. And there's all kinds of things that could happen that would indicate uh, through the world looking on to say, you're a failure. There could have been, you know, drugs and alcohol and pornography and all those things that cause people to fall, but you don't have to stay there. Failure is never final. And, and, you know, we're going to see some things tonight that will be eye-opening for us as we look at these things together. I told Eddie today, as I was, um, you know, preparing this, uh, I said, my goodness, I've got to leave so much out. There's so much that the Bible has to say about failure and getting over it and bouncing back. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight. When, <clears throat> excuse me. When failure occurs in our life, it doesn't have to be the final say. See, some people look at it as final. You take someone, and I, I talk about this often because I've seen it many times over the years in ministry, and I watch people that go through calamity in their life. I watch them go through a divorce, and, you know, uh, th they think that defines their life from that point on. But it doesn't. It doesn't have to if you don't allow it to. But you see, sometimes, uh, you know, we build a memorial. I'm going to talk a little bit about that maybe later on if I have time to. But we'll build a memorial over the things that happen in our life, the failures that happen. But I'm going to tell you, when you go through things in your life that have been devastating and have you know, would be an indication of failure and you build a memorial to that, that is not right. Because God doesn't want you camping out and going back to the memorial to remind you of what happened. And we're going to look at scripture that indicates that uh, to us tonight. We've got to move on. We've got to go forward. We need to figure failure, listen to this, as tuition, and we need to learn from it. If you go to school, you have to pay tuition to go to school if you're in college, don't you? There's a tuition that's due. Well, just count the failure that happens in your life as tuition. You had to pay it, but you learn from what happened and you don't go back and repeat it. How many people just continue to repeat failure and repeat failure and repeat failure? Uh, you know, you see people and they might, you know, I read the other day in the paper and, uh, you know, and it was, I think it was someone in Hollywood and I don't know, they've been married seven or eight times. That's failure. And you don't need to go back. You need to find out what's causing those failures. 
There's a common denominator in the seven or eight spouses, and it's that person. Don't you under seeing you you need to work on yourself, wouldn't you think? If you've been divorced seven or eight times, oh well that you know it was this and it was that. I didn't like this and I didn't like that. We all don't like things about each other. But when you make a commitment to someone, it doesn't matter about that. You work your way through it. But you see, when you go through that many relationships and you fail at that many relationships, you have to look at yourself, not at other people. I tell people all the time, you know, when I do marriage teaching, uh, you know, we'll teach something and, and you just hear the rumbling and the mumbling. Oh, yeah, that's my husband. Oh, yeah, that's my wife. But I say, that's not what I'm saying. Don't turn and look at them. Look at yourself. Put the magnifying glass on yourself. It's easy for us to find fault in other people. How many of you know that? It doesn't take very long either. We can just be sitting, you know, in the mall and people walking by and we begin to find fault. We don't even know them, have never talked to them. They might be the greatest people in the world, but we don't give them a chance because we're finding fault. See, that's human nature. And God wants us to replace that stinking human nature with the nature of the Holy Spirit. You've been given the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's in you. The Holy Ghost lives in you and you're to manifest the fruit of the Holy Spirit through your life. And judgmentalism and criticalness and all of that is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit, all right, but not of the Holy Spirit. Guess which side that it comes from? I'll let you figure it out. I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn with me uh, to Matthew 17. Now we're talking about the tuition, you know, that we pay when we fail and then we need to learn from it. See, so many people don't learn from it. Say, I'm going to learn when I fail. You are too. And I'm going to too. Now, as we look at Matthew 17, and you start looking at verse number 16, well, really, verse number 15, and here you have a man, a father, who comes to Jesus. And he comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, my son is epileptic. Your disciples came, and they could not... They could not cast that spirit out. They could not deal with what was going on in my son, and they could not heal him. Will you have mercy upon my son? Will you help him? Now, I want you to think about this, and, and then I want you to skip with me uh, down here to verse number 19. Then came the disciples to Jesus Apart. Now, let me tell you something. A learning process many times is not in front of everybody. It's to be where we pull apart. I'm going to tell you in leadership here, when I work with leaders, I'm not going to knowingly embarrass anyone in front of people. 
And if somebody wants to talk to me about an issue where I need to talk to them, I'm going to do what happened there. The disciples came with, to Jesus and they were pulled apart, separated so that the failure could be dealt with. You know, maybe you've never looked at this before, but did they have a failure or not? They did because Jesus sent them out, but they were not able to deal with this. So they came apart with Jesus and they began to ask Jesus, Jesus, why did I fail? Why did we fail in this endeavor? We know that you empowered us. We know that you gave us the name of Jesus, but why could we not deal with this situation and help this, this young boy and his father. Now, you see, it's very important when you, when you fail and what endeavor it is. It doesn't matter what it is. It's very important to pull apart, look at your situation, and find out where it did not work. Now, look here what Jesus begins to talk to them. And Jesus began, uh, he said unto them, he began to instruct them about failure. The Word of God will instruct you about the failure in your life. Did you know that? And he, uh, because of your unbelief, or you're believing the wrong thing, or your little faith, you could say, because it goes on down here and, you know, and talks about, you know, your faith is a grain of mustard seed. And, and, and he said, if you have even little faith, you can say, uh, remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible to you. Now listen to this. He went on with his instruction. See, many times I think with the Lord what we do, if God is talking to us through the Word or by His Spirit, we jump up. Okay, I heard. I've got little faith. Got to work on my faith. But Jesus said, but that's not all. And see, sometimes we don't get part B of what we need. Now, I can't tell you what part A and part B would be in the circumstances going on in your life, but many times we jump up and want to run out when God is not finished. And he said, how be it, this kind doesn't go out except you pray and you fast. So he gave him instruction how he gave those men instruction on how to overcome the failure that they had just experienced in their own life. And so we need to learn from those experiences and see I believe this. I believe that you don't need to wait a year before you find out if you've had a failure in your life. Seek God and begin to ask Him to reveal to you how to, you know, get back on the right track and how to, uh, you know, experience victory in your life instead of failure. You know, so many times I've gone before God and, and you know, I just, um, you know, get before Him worshiping Him and He'll begin to minister to me and begin to talk to me. And the next thing you know, I just get so excited. And you know what I do? I just jump up and, you know, run out of the place where I am. And I've even had God say to me sometimes, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've got something I want to say to you. You know, I'm not finished. And so sometimes God wants to say things to us and He's not finished and we need to allow Him that time. Amen. Now we need to ask ourselves, 
How do I face feel, uh, failure in my life? How do I face it? See, you, you don't need to be asking other people, how do you face it? We need to be asking that internal question of ourselves. How do I handle failure when it comes? Do I run? Do I hide? Do I act like it didn't happen? Or do I grow from it? Do I learn and grow from it? Well, now I can tell you, in ministry, I don't like failure. And you know, you do something, you try something, and it doesn't work. And so what do you do? Do you act like, well, that's not really, you know, that's not really my fault. Or do you act like, well, let's just don't talk about it and maybe people won't, uh, they won't notice. But you know, that's not the, hiding from it, covering failure up is not going to get you over it and get you on the right track. It really isn't. You know, I, I tell people in leadership capacity in this church when I'm working with them and we do events and, you know, we go through programs and do things like that. And do you know one thing that we always do at least they're supposed to, as it's my instruction to them, is to take uh, the program or the event and begin to critique it. Now, critique doesn't mean that you get down on everything and everybody. It doesn't mean that you only look at the good. Well, it's a balance in there. It means you look at the things that really worked, that you want to repeat, that bless people, that helped it be a success. But at the same time, you look at things that didn't work so well, where there was glitches. You know, we'll, we'll have events around here, and, uh, you know, there have been times, in, in, you know, in the past where everybody would be that was involved would just be absolutely worn out, and they would have a bad taste in their mouth related to the event. And you know what I know from that? We better do something, because that will be a failure going somewhere to happen. We got to look at it. We can't cover it up and we can't hide it. We have to look at it. Well, the same is true, not just in church. The same is true in your business. The same is true in your family, your relationships. It's true across the board. We have to look at things and we can't hide from them or cover them up or expect that they're going to change. Insanity is when you keep doing the same thing and you think you're going to get a change. Do you hear me? You have to change. And so you cannot hide and you cannot cover up failure. William Ward said this, failure should be a teacher, not an undertaker. And see, many times if we fail, we just say, well, we're out. That's it. I'm never going, you know, I'm never going to bounce back from this. I'm never going to, to do better in my life. But see, that is, that's not God. And that's not God way, God's way. And you know that. So don't allow failure that has happened in your life to defeat you. Proverbs 24, 16, it says, For a just man falls seven times and rises up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief or calamity. And so we fall seven times, but what does it say? 
that we rise up again. Now, I think that seven times, I don't think, well, you know, I failed six times. I've got one more time and that's it. I don't think, I think what God was trying to say, no matter how many times it looks like your failure isn't seven, a number of completion. Well, it may look like your failure is complete. It's, you're done in. But God said, no, you will rise up again. I'm telling you tonight, I got a word from God for you. You're going to rise up again. Well, my business, my relationships, you know, if you have problems in areas, find out how to fix it. I, you know, I used to be, and I'm not kidding you, years ago when, when I was in high school, I hated to read. I absolutely hated to. Book reports, any of, the, any of those things that I had to do, I absolutely hated it. How many of you can identify with that when you were in high school? Well, then though, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I got this hunger and this desire to read and know more. And I believe that's in every spirit-filled believer. Now, we might not develop it, and, we not, and you might say, well, I'm spirit-filled, but I don't like to read. I guarantee you, if you begin to read godly, spiritual works that God has out there and the Word of God, it will create a hunger and a desire. And I just want knowledge, you know? I want to know about that. I want to know about this. Now, when it gets into technical things and, you know, people who know me, they can tell you when it gets to computers and things like that, I want somebody else to find out and then you tell me. <laughs> but there's so many things that, that I'm inquisitive about and I want to know about. And I'm sure many of you are the same way too, but I think that's God in us. And, and you know, to, to just ferret out answers and, and you know, uh, get to the place to where we discover, you know, how we failed and how to overcome in those times. Now, everybody fails and we fail many times. Isn't that true? If you say, well, no, I don't, then I'll just say, I don't believe you. Because we all fail many times in different ways. But the thing about it is, do only unsuccessful people fail? Tell me. Successful people fail and unsuccessful people fail. So all people fail. So everybody is in the same boat. But it's what separates us is how do we deal with the failure at hand? How do we deal with it? Does everything, I, I remember, you know, uh, once we had somebody on staff with us, and this is, well, it really has happened more than one time. And every, you know, hiccup, if you know what I'm saying, or eight, you know, some things would be minor, some things would be more major, but problems and difficulties that you run into in church life, did you know that you have problems in church? Well, I can't believe it. Yeah, because we're here, right? We're all here. <laughs> and it happens. But I, I watch people, uh, you know, that have been on staff with us and how they deal with it. And the slightest little thing and everybody, oh my God, what are we going to do? I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to trust God and this failure at hand or whatever had taken place is not going to define who we are as a ministry. 
And see, don't let things define you that have happened in your own life. And even if somebody wants to continue to remind you about it. And believe me, many people will try to remind. Oh, I remember you when. I remember this about, uh, you know, people do that. You know, they've been out of the church for years and then they come back and they visit or see. It's like, honey, you're stuck in 1980 or whatever it is. We've moved far beyond that point. We're not even those people that we used to be. We're not the church we used to be because we're growing in God. And see, it's the same for you individually. You're growing in God and don't let people hold you. Hold you in a failure. Hold you into what happened in your life in the past. I'm telling you, you know, you go to class reunions. My God. You know, you go and they remember who you were. They don't know who you are today. Oh, yeah, I remember this about you. And it's fun, and we laugh, you know, and do all that. But I I just always think, my God, you don't know me because that's who I was so many years ago. I was a kid, and I've been through the school of hard knocks, and I grew up. That can be good or bad, I guess. Okay, 2 Corinthians 1. Let's all turn there. 2 Corinthians 1. And we're going to read here in verse number 8. Are y'all listening to me tonight? It says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life. Now, this word trouble here, I don't want, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant of the trouble that we were, we were in. And the word trouble, it, it's really a very interesting word, and it, it has different connotations that go along with it. And really what it means is to lay a person on their back tie them up with a rope, and stick a boulder on top of them. Now, how many of you have felt like, I felt that way many times in my life. I have. I felt the pressure, and I felt that thing just on my life. And it's like, do you think that in that situation, if you're laying on your back, you got that rope around you and that boulder, do you think you're going to be getting up real quickly? That means that something, despair, devastation, calamity, something happened to put that person in that situation. Well, yeah, I know that. That's the way it is in Christianity. You know, we're just, we're just laid out flat. Thank God Paul didn't leave us there. But now I want you to, to go down here into verse number 10. See, when failure comes... He said, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will deliver us. Now, I want you to think about that. In your time of failure, when the pressure is on in your life and the difficulty is there, are you listening to me? It says God does deliver, He has delivered, and He will deliver. That covers it all, folks. I don't know if you know that. It means the past, 
the present and the future, you are covered and deliverance is yours. And God is going to help you get up from that place of despair and trouble and failure. And see, we have to believe though. We have to trust. He is a delivering God. He's a rescuer. And thank God He is. He doesn't leave us in conditions that we find ourselves in. And see, if you come to this church very much, those are things that you hear constantly. You are not hearing that we're going under. You are not going to hear that the government, the calamity that's going on there has to affect all of us. God said, I'll make a difference in you and the people of the world. Now, how's he going to do it? I don't know how he does it. When Egypt was in darkness, Goshen, where the Israelites were, had light. How did he do it? I don't know how he did it, but he did it. So don't try to have to figure everything out. Just trust God. Yes. Amen? Yes. Now I began to go through the scripture and I began to look at people that had been a failure, had failures in their life. But then I want to show you the, what happened in their life that that wasn't a position that they stayed in, that they lived in, that they camped out in, that they built the memorial to. Now listen, Moses. Do you remember Moses? What happened to Moses? He was a young man brought up in Pharaoh's house, had great provision. And one day he was there with the Israelites and there was an Egyptian that was not treating an Israelite Right, and that Moses was an Israelite, right? Well, what did, what did Moses do? He lost his temper, he got mad at the Egyptian, and he killed him. Okay, he killed him. Murder, think about that. Then what did he have to do? He had to run for his life. Would you call that a failure? Yeah, because God had a plan. All the time, God had a plan to, for Moses to be the deliverer, but he stepped out and he fell on his face and he messed everything up. Well, then, you know, what many people do at that point, and we all need to watch this. We all need to watch this. Oh, yeah, that Moses, look at him. He thought he was going to be, he thought he was going to be the deliverer. Who does he think he is? Look what he did. He's already messed up. God could never use him. Well, we went and hid out for what? 40 years in the desert. And one day, God began to speak to him. When he got humble, doesn't the Bible say that this man who, you know, was probably full of pride became the humblest man in the earth? Doesn't it say that? So a lot happened in those 40 years. I'm going to tell you, I don't want to be in the desert for 40 years. Do you? I, I don't. But, you know, Moses did not stay in failure. That's a great example for us to learn from. Was Moses a great man of God? He was. God spoke to him, met him on that mountain, gave him the Ten Commandments. The presence of God was so heavy upon his life, and he murdered someone. And he was probably a person of pride, but he changed. He learned from his failure. And see, we can do the same thing. If, there, if Moses can do it, we can do it. Amen? 
there's many people that we can read about. And I'll just, I'm not going to go over all these examples I have, but you think about Abraham. You know, the Bible talks about Abraham and, and, and really, uh, uh, you know, God held Abraham in very high esteem, wouldn't you think? Well, Abraham, there was a time in his life, you know, when God separated him and he was, you know, going to different places trying to find, you know, the place that God had for him. And he was in a situation where his wife was very beautiful. And, you know, when he went into these lands, the king, you know, what, a, how, what about your, you know, she's beautiful. You know, what about her? Oh, well, that's just my sister. He lied about his wife. He just lied about it because he was afraid. Well, you think about a person like that and you think, well, how could God ever use a weak person like that who couldn't even stand up for, you know, for his wife and, and do the right thing? But God said, Abraham, you're the father of the faith. You're the father of the faith. And those who come into the faith, you're their father. Now think about that. And you know, there's so many other examples that we could look at tonight, but I'm, well, I am going to look at one more because I think it's just really telling. David. David was an adulterer and he was a murderer. Now, am I telling you that if you commit adultery, everything's going to be great? No, because if you know about David, you know, because of that adultery, the sword never left his house, his house. The Bible tells us he had problems in his family and the adultery opened the door to it. Now, does it always have to be that way? I don't know, but it was in that, in, in that case. But would you say that David was, was a failure in that regard, in that he was an adulterer and then a murderer because he killed Bathsheba, the woman that he was in an, an affair with? He killed... Uh, he killed Bathsheba's husband because he didn't want it to be known what he was doing, carrying on with his wife. But then God came in that failure, and one day he said, David, you're a man after my heart. My own heart, you're a man after my heart. So I'm not trying to tell you just go out and commit any sin and everything will be okay. I want you to hear this from me tonight. I am not indicating that. You'll have problems if you get into sin. Sin has consequences. But the thing about it is, many, many people fail in that regard. We all fail as far as sin, but some people fail, you know, in, in ways that are greater than others when it, it comes to those kinds of things. But... David was not marked by that for the rest of his life. He was able to overcome, and God was able to call him, David is my man. He's got a heart like me. Now, that's a tremendous statement, isn't it? And so God can take us in our failure, and he can turn things around. I've learned over many years not to throw, you know, everyone out that has failures. At first, it bless God, we're people of the word, you sin, you're out of here. It's like, well, if we all did that, then we're not going to have any church. We're not, God's not calling the church to kick the church members out. What he's calling us to do is restore people who fail. 
and they get restored back into a right place in relationship where fruitfulness can take place in their life. I think some of you, have you turned me off tonight? Babe Ruth struck out 1,330 times. Well, Babe Ruth is a failure. You men would say, you're nuts. Isn't that right? Because we know. I think, what did he have, 740 home runs or something like that? Outstanding. Of course, you know, there's really outstanding players today, but at that time. And then I read about this guy, R.H. Macy. He failed in business seven times before his store was successful in New York City. Do you know Macy's? Macy's um, Thanksgiving parade, we're all familiar with that. We love if we go to New York. You want to go in Macy's whether you buy anything or not because it's, you know, it's in the movies. It's known everywhere. You know, think about it. He failed seven times. Well, if I failed once in business, I guess I can't be in business anymore. Well, that's where you're believing something that is not true. Failure is never final. Say that with me. Failure is never final. God has the last word. Norman Vincent Peale said this, Believe you are defeated. Believe it long enough. It is likely to become a fact. Proverbs 23.7, a, a familiar verse to those of you that are regular here in attendance. For as he thinks in his heart... So is he. What you think on is what you will become. Um, and, and it really is true. I, I read this, and I read it many years ago, um, about, um, I think, Carl, what is it, Walinda? You know, the flying Walindas? You know, I, some people probably in here will remember them. But anyway, they're a famous family, you know, uh, doing all kinds of um, acrobatic you know, and the tightrope, walking the rope and doing all those things. But Carl, three, three months before he died, he began to concentrate and think on not falling off the rope. Now think about this. And someone observed that and was around him and knew that that's what he was doing. He was concentrating on not falling. We don't need to concentrate on not falling. We need to concentrate on succeeding and walking the tightrope, if you will. Think about that, walking the right way, walking that tightrope, not we're going to fall. We're going to fall. We got to, you know, we got to, you know, really think about it so we don't. No, we're going to make it. The Lord is on our side. We're not going to be failures. We're going to overcome. We're going to walk in victory. And this failure is not final. It is a thing that I am going to learn from. My tuition is paid and I'm going to grow from this experience and not become bitter. I was reading, and it, just turn over here. It's, it's really not what I'm talking about, but it, just in Bible reading, I, I've been looking in Hebrews. And turn over there with me. Let me see if I can find it real, real quick. Um, Hebrews chapter number 12, verse 14 and 15. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Follow peace. Don't you just love peace? 
I love peace. I love for peace to be in my house. I love when I'm in my car to be at peace. I love when I'm in my office to be at peace. I know that there are times that things are hectic and, you know, noise and things are going on, but I love peace. And I think even in the middle of all that, you can still have peace. But follow peace. But now listen to this. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. I don't want to fail of His grace. Do you? Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. See, when you're in a failure sometimes, this root of bitterness can come because of what's happened. Well, I don't understand. Why, why has this happened to me? And it, 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 has, it hasn't happened to this one. And, that, you know, they've lived a life worse. You know, if you get into that, you just need to live in the grace zone. And don't try to figure out what's going on with everybody else and compare yourself with everybody else and get down and, and be a whiner and a complainer. And look, I know life can hand you some, some really uh, difficult things. I know that. I'm, I'm aware of that. But it's how you deal with those things. Now listen. And he said, lest any root of bitterness springs up. A root of bitterness takes hold in your life. And it's just like, you know, this week I, I've been working in my yard. My gosh, I've never seen so many weeds in a shrub bed in all my life. I've never. I, I loaded up five trash bags full of weeds. And it's like, how did they get there? I don't know. One day they were there and the next day I had pulled them. Five big bags of them. And I got out there in those, uh, in those weeds, and it's the funniest thing about them. You know, they've, they've got a root system, and you'll start pulling here, and by the time you get through with them, they're, the, it goes way uh, to another area. And see, that's the way bitterness is. You think bitterness is in, you know, that one little relationship, that bitterness is in this one little place that you can keep it compartmentalized. I'm telling you, you don't keep it compartmentalized. It begins to spread, and see, that's what this scripture is talking about here. But now listen to this next word. The, the root of bitterness will spring up and it will trouble you and many will be defiled. In other words, bitterness just doesn't affect one person. It's a poison that sprouts up and it affects more uh, people that are associated with the one bitter person. Now this word trouble, listen to what the word trouble means. It means to annoy, to harass, to upset, to bother you to the point you're constantly pestered by the thought of it. How many of you know what I'm talking about when you've got in bitterness and unforgiveness and, and there's been a failure in your life and you get into that place and you are constantly being pestered of the thoughts related to the person, to the situation, to all the details related to it? You got to deal with it and you can't camp out there. You got to forgive, you've got to release, you've got to let go of failure of any kind, whether it's in your life or in the lives of those that you love or care for. Amen? All right. Now, 
what we need to do, and really quickly, I'm going to have to go through these things. I know there's no way I'm going to finish tonight. I say that every time. But I, there's just so much I want to say to you because I believe it just helps us. I really do. But the first thing I want to talk to you about uh, uh, failure is focus on succeeding, not failing. Remember, I told you the story of uh, Carl Walenda. You can't focus on the failure, you know, I'm going to fall. I don't want to fall. You've got to, you've got to focus on succeeding and making it and walking the tightrope. Amen? Dante said this, The more we concentrate on avoiding failure, the more failure-prone we become. See, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So he will become. What you think on. People think, well, nobody knows. You know, it's just, it's just my thinking. It's just my thought process. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not speaking it out. But if you continually let that play over and over like a recorder in your mind, you will start saying it. You will start acting it out. You just will. That's just the way we are as human beings. The second thing I want us to, to look at is we need to learn from our failures. Don't cover it up. Now, I dealt a little bit uh, with that, but, um, but not completely in the way I want to talk to you about it now. Philippians 3, 13 and 14, if you will, put that up for us, and uh, we'll look at that. Philippians 3, 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Now, that's very important. This one thing I do. Not focusing on a bunch of things, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now, before you can successfully go into your future and reach, and really that word means to stretch, to stretch forward. Well, I'm going to tell you, you can't hold on to your past and stretch forward into what God has for you. There has to be a releasing and a letting go and a pressing on, a stretching forward into your future. That's very important for you to do that, to let go, forget the past and reach forth to the future. Now, I've already told you, you need to learn from your failures and your mistakes. But once you do that and you look at it, then it is time to forget it. I, you know, I, I liken it like this, you know, ladies, you know, we like jewelry and uh, many of us do. And, you know, it's like having a necklace around your neck or, you know, a bracelet on or something like that. And what we do is we wear our failures that way. You know, um, I was married, but, you know, the guy was a creep and I did everything right. And yeah, right. Okay. That's the bracelet. You know, and I've gone bankrupt and I don't know what I'm going to do, but I've really messed, you know, my life up and, you know, that's the necklace around our neck and the bracelet. We just keep, we keep fooling with it. We keep looking at it. We keep, you know, every day we get up and get ready and we put on our jewelry and we got to make sure, you know, we got to get that necklace in place because that's going to remind us of that creep that we married that, you know, that really, you know, did us wrong. Male or female, I'm not just talking about male, so you guys don't get mad at me. Doesn't matter. But see, that's the way we do. Instead of doing what that says, 
and forget the past. Let the past be the past. Forgive those people. Release them. Let them go. You know, not camp out in, you know, our financial failures or our business failure or whatever it was. Don't keep wearing that stuff. Take it off. Get you some new jewelry. You have license now, ladies. You can get you some new jewelry. All the husband said. <laughs> I don't believe that was real genuine and sincere. So we must learn from our failures and then move on. Don't blame other people. Now, I, I see this so much in our nation. And, and, you know, if we're not careful, we will start doing this too. Well, it's those people. You know, if they hadn't done that, then we could have this. Don't blame your problem on other people. That's important. Well, just think about it. In the very first book of the Bible, Adam, what did he do? You know, Adam sinned, you know, and Eve, they were there together, you know, in the garden, ate of the forbidden fruit, and God came to them in, in the cool of the evening. What have you all done? What has gone on here? And Adam said, it's this woman, now listen to this, you gave me. <laughs> he relinquished responsibility. He didn't take responsibility. God had made him... The head, hadn't he? But he said, it's this woman, blaming the woman. You gave it, even telling God it's his fault that I'm this way. See, don't blame other people. I tell you, I admire people who will say, I did it. I made a mistake. I didn't judge it right, whatever. I just take responsibility for it. How refreshing is that? Because we don't hear it very much. We have a car accident. Don't say anything. It was your fault. You pull out in front. Don't say anything. The insurance company tells you not to admit it. Okay, so I guess you got to follow what they say. But in your heart, you know you did it. Don't try to blame it on them. I, I remember that, uh, that I was expecting Lauren... And I was like, you know, ready to deliver. And we were in a car uh, not too far from here, and a guy ran the stop sign and hit us as we were coming straight down with no stops or anything. And he told the police that it was our fault that we did it. Oh, is that right? You had the stop sign, and they're coming straight, but it was their fault. Well, do you, he couldn't make it stick, obviously. But see, people don't want to admit he failed to, to obey the stop sign that day. Now, I talked a little bit before about don't build a memorial to your failure. I'm not going to talk a whole lot about that, but I'm going to read to you out of the Message Bible, and I think you can show this on the screen. Isaiah 43, 18. What a telling scripture. Isaiah 43, 18 out of the Message Bible. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. I have talked to people, men and women, who have been divorced for 10 years. And you would think, and, and you know, you don't know that when you start talking. And then, and then you ask, and, and when did that happen? Oh, that was 25 years ago. 
That's old history, folks. And God wants you to move forward. Are you here? You gone home. All right. The fourth thing, don't allow others to cause you to be a failure. Don't allow others to cause you to be a failure. They can hold you in a certain light. They can talk about it. They can say it. But don't you buy into it and don't you be intimidated by it. I was reading the story in Nehemiah chapter number four there, and, and we're f familiar if we, you know, read the Old Testament about Tobiah and Sanballat. And you know, Nehemiah was sent back to Jerusalem to build the walls. You, you know, he was to build them. But there was, there was two enemies along with a lot of, you know, enemies that were the Amorite, thisite, thatite, you know, all those people. And they were gathering themselves together and they were intimidating Nehemiah and those men who were up on the wall building, doing what God... And they kept saying, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. You're not going to be able to do this. And Nehemiah said, I'll just show you. He said, okay, this group, you go watch. You go watch and see what they're doing. That's the prayer warriors. This group over here, you go build the wall. We're going to show them. We're not going to fail, and they're not going to hinder us. And so they did it. And Nehemiah, in a few chapters over, he told Sam Ballad and Tobiah, he said, I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. And you know, that's what we need to say to the people who remind us of our failures, who talk about what happened in the past, who, who uh, just rehearse those things. We need to say, you know what? I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. And I'm not going to be intimidated, and I'm not going to be stopped because you remember my past. It's old history, and I'm going on. I'm moving on. Amen? All right. The fifth thing is view failure as momentary. View failure as momentary. It's not permanent in your life. It doesn't mark you. It doesn't, it doesn't take your life and define who you are. It's an event. It's something that happened. But it's not where you're staying. It's momentary. 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9 in the Living Bible says this, we get knocked down, but we get up again, and we keep going. I got a word for you tonight. Get up. Get up and keep on going. Well, but this, well, but that. Take your jewelry off. Take that necklace off. Take that bracelet off. Get away from that memorial. Philip says it like this. We may be knocked down, but we are never, listen to this, knocked out. A righteous man falls seven times and he rises up again. That's what God's telling us. Failure is never final. Amen. There's so much I could say, so many more examples that I can give you. But I think that our cup is full. And we understand 
that we don't have to live in our failures. Everybody fails. Everybody misses the mark. Everybody has issues in their life, but we can't let them define who we are. We belong to Jesus Christ. Jesus, the greater one, lives on the inside of you. Greater is he that is in you, the, the one that is in the world, intimidating you, chiding you, reminding you, of your past. And remember this, failure is never final. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.